section eight of stories without tears this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. stories without tears by barry payne section eight general observations general age twenty-four can cook christian clean honest obliging good character eighteen months in last place and that's me ah and a very nice place it was too the money were no more than seventeen and if that's not too little i can swear as it's not too much but then he were a gentleman and so were she and that's a thing worth twice thinking of riches is not everything why there's my own sister kitchen maid in a house where they're rolling in money but i wouldn't change with her the other day the cook being short of parsley my sister pops into the kitchen garden to get some there's the master smoking his cigar oh damn your eyes he says what are you doing here and she being frightened says it's the parsley sir well says he you're a pretty little devil and so you can have some pretty she is too but i couldn't stomach such treatment if i were her but there it is she stops because the cooks took a fancy to her and teaches her how to cook them french dishes coatlets de moton ali reform now there's a name for you and from what she tells me nothing in the world but veal chops with a sweet sauce no i preferred my place and told her so as i say he were a gentleman whichever way you took him he did paint pictures in colours but then i don't think he ever tried to sell them at any rate nobody ever bought them very pretty they was though showed he'd got a knack she was a perfect lady too and yet she had a kind heart and in her evening gown for it was late dinner every night though small she looked more like a photograph than like anything earthly the house was just a cottage with a piece of garden to it and handy for boating on the river to which they were very partial almost living on that river in the summer time many a time when he and she were out in the punt i've stepped into that little bit of garden and seen the sun shining and the spring onions coming through and it all looked so pretty and the feeling of pleasantness was such i wouldn't have called the queen my uncle as they say it were a comfortable place too all the washing put out no interfering no nagging no scrapping and every now and again the charwoman to help you why did i ever leave it well that was along of william i mean william the canary and not william the carpenter who's my young man and never gave me a moment's sorrow yet and it would be worse for him if he did i hadn't been there more nor my month when she came into the kitchen and she said about the dinner which i remember as if it was yesterday and was lamb sweetbreads and then she said are you happy here emma now there were a question as i had never had put to me before your happiness not being a thing as you can expect anybody to care about except yourself 
so i were rather taken aback well ma'am i says it's a nice place and very kind of you to ask but take it how you will it's not as if you kept two of us no says she with one of them little sighs of hers it's not do you find it lonely well i says being engaged to william there ain't so much talk going on at the back door as there might have been otherwise which is only right and yet when you're single-handed what you don't say to them at the back door you don't say to nobody which is what stifles you ah she says would you like to have a pet of your own to keep in the kitchen a cat or a dog thank you ma'am says i but cats is faithless and dogs run to fat when not exercised but if i might mention it a canary has always been my ambition and if that kitchen window don't seem to ask for a cage to hang on it she smiled and said i should have a canary and next day she went up to london and brought back the whole thing complete the cage were handsome and the bird were pale yellow yes i was pleased to get it and i was thankful for it and i called it william after the other william and i saw that it took its seed and water and was nicely kept but it's a bitter thing to think of now i didn't value that blessed bird at the first as he should have been valued we was friendly but nothing more you see just at first he wouldn't sing and he may have been a bit shy but it was more cleverness than shyness he knew as well as i knew that i wanted him to sing and what he said to himself was i'll just see first if the place suits me if they make it worth my while to sing i'll sing if not i'll sulk and then they'll sell me it was only natural birds have to do the best they can for themselves just the same as human beings then all of a sudden one day as i were cleaning the silver he gave two or three little twiddly chirps then came hopping along to the side of the cage and looked down at me out of his little sharp eyes to see how i was taking it very well william says i if you can sing you shall sing else no sugar he thought for a minute and shook his head as much as to say no i can't see any reason why i shouldn't oblige and then he hopped down took a sip of water hopped up again wiped his mouth on the wooden perch cleared his throat and began i took his time by the kitchen clock and he went for seven minutes and you could see by the way he stopped suddenly shook his head and stamped his claw on the perch that there was a lot more to come only he couldn't remember it he'd let himself get out of practice however not to discourage him i gave him a little bit of sugar after that there was no more trouble about the singing he found as if he could make himself comfortable in the place and so he meant to stop and when he once settled that there was no more hanging backward and he never had any of that silly vanity that you'll see in some people though he was but a bird while they may have been christian homes and advantages showered on them like water on a duck's back there's many a woman won't sing at all if there's much talking going on though speech is free to all and we might all speak at once but for the inconvenience 
it's what i call silly foolish vanity and settling of oneself up like an idol there was nothing of that about william he'd sing when there was coffee grinding going on and sing the louder for it bless his heart you may be sure it wasn't long before he and me was as good friends as there was in the world in a week he'd learned to take hemp seed out of my fingers and clever well once i put a bit of sugar in the bottom of his glass when he wasn't looking and covered it up with seed when he'd eaten up the seed on the top and came across that sugar he were so startled that he regular jumped however i saw him wink one eye as much as to say i must remember this little trick next time his seed glass wanted filling i did the same thing again but this time the glass were no sooner in his cage than he went right up to it dug down through the seed and fetched that bit of sugar out but there if i get talking about his cleverness there'd be no end as i said to mrs amroyd which is the charwoman i said it's a comfort to think that if i'm took and brief life is here our portion william's clever enough to provide for himself oh yes she says carpenters can always make their money confusing him with the other william as she was always doing and in a way as would sometimes bring the blush to my cheek allusion having been made to the canary's bath which she mistook different with the affection i had for that canary the wonder is how ever i came to leave the door of his cage unhitched but the front and the back bell going simultaneous and taking off my attention i must have left it undone in my flurry anyhow just as me and mrs amroyd were sitting to our teas that bird got out at first i thought he'd get frightened and beat his blessed heart out against the window but not he he knew too much for that he came straight down on to the table and began picking up crumbs well mr impertinence i says you know how to look after yourself and i held out my finger to him and he'd have hopped on to it if mrs amroyd hadn't happened to give a sneeze which scared him though not done malicious however he didn't go far and he was soon back and at work on those crumbs again yes he had got a cheek and no doubt about it and i don't blame him for it neither for cheek is what gets you on in the world nowadays why if i had the cheek of that bird i might be the queen of sheba and yet he knew where to draw the line did william when i got the cage down and stood it on the table with the door open he understood that he'd got to go back and let me catch him and put him back without so much as a murmur after that i used to let him out frequent seeing as he could be trusted and the way he'd follow me about that kitchen was one of the seven wonders of the earth and got to be talked of too through the tradesmen's carts having seen it with their own eyes when calling at the back door he was a regular proverb in the place william was and if he'd been my own son i couldn't have been more proud of him the only anxiety i ever had about him was along of mrs chalk's sandy cat which would sneak round my kitchen windows by the hour and that were soon over keep those windows shut always you couldn't for it takes a fire to roast a joint in the summer just as much as in the winter and living in a turkish bath is what no christian could be asked to do 
still it gives me a feeling of nervousness knowing as cats are artful and that sandy cat were a bit too artful for his own safety one morning i had just come down from the upstairs room and with my hand on the kitchen door i heard a crash i rushed in and saw what it was the cat had got in at the window and made a jump for the cage in half a second i had shut window and door so that mr sandy couldn't get out then i had a look at william and saw that he wasn't hurt only frightened and then i picked up the poker and the next ten minutes kept me busy i had to report a vegetable dish and two wine glasses broke but i didn't grudge them the cat i buried that night unbeknown back of the rhubarb questions was asked and answered in a way as you might call putting off that is mrs chalk says to me have you seen our sandy cat i says yes i saw him in the garden last night so i did that was when i was burying him she said you didn't throw stones at him nor do anything to scare him away for he's lost no i says i wouldn't do such a thing and no more i would for where's the sense in throwing stones at a dead cat why i says he may stop in the garden forever for all i care which were the solemn truth though artful as i said william wasn't hurt but he had a nasty shock for weeks he was that shaken you couldn't get him to stir out of his cage and when he did venture out at last the least little noise seemed to put him all of a flutter however time and patience and good feeding brought him round he were such a companion to me as you wouldn't believe every morning as soon as i were down he'd start chattering to me often and often i've told that bird things as i wanted to say but wouldn't have told to no living human being for i knowed he wouldn't pass them on or even let slip hint of them accidental which is what the best of us is liable to and he looked at you that intelligent when you was talking you could see as if he understood every word if you stopped he'd give a sort of chirrup as much as to say well go on what's next for two years he were a joy and a comfort to me and then he were took he got a bit of a cold somehow and i give a shilling to a woman i knew with experience in fowls to come and have a look at him as soon as she saw him she says we'll do all we can do but it's more serious than you think for what he's got is congestion of the chest to which all them foreign birds is partial well we gave him medicine and he took it for to the last he'd eat or drink almost anything such was his desire to please and he were well nursed too and i'd bank up the kitchen fire to last through the night and never grudge the coals a comfort to me too it is to think as everything was done for one night i could see as the end were near and sat up with him and at half-past eleven he were stone dead if ever a bird was and me broken-hearted i wore black for him too which was the same i had when my aunt was took and that started mrs amroyd why she said to put it on for a bird it do seem to me downright irreligious yes i says he were only a bird nor born to any high estate as the hymn says but he were a better friend to me nor ever my aunt was which was wrangling from morning till night 
and so the less you says mrs amroyd the better for all parties or you may live to lose a friend yourself which would be only a judgment and of course i give notice i couldn't keep coming into that kitchen where he always been and never would be any more nor though it had been a king's palace so i said i'd leave at the end of my month and no entreaties nor the offer of another canary though well meant could move me i was sorry to part with them and sorry to leave the place but it had to be ah i shall never find another place like it as a rule a gentleman has money and then he don't do on one general all i had to look forward to is overwork underfeeding and nagging and miseries but all the same i couldn't stop after william had gone what the other william says is don't take a place at all for the way he looks at it if you make your christmas holiday your honeymoon that's all a savings and to be thought of when a couple ain't rothschilds and the bank of england which i don't deny is sense however that's a thing as needs thinking over still he had the canaries stuffed at his own expense and give me in a glass case and that's a sign of a feeling heart i dare say as i might do worse End of section eight.